What's going on? What's going on? Chase Sutton, I am back with another episode of the Destroying Doubt Podcast, where we provide inspiration and information to the new and aspiring entrepreneur to help them destroy doubt. Destroy doubt so that they can start that new business or take that existing business to a new level. And I'm so excited today. One, I'm excited because the the weather, it's the way it's supposed to be in Florida right now. It's the way it's supposed to be. We've been into in the mid to high 70s for about a week or two now, and it's February, and it's feeling like the spring. That's that's the way it's supposed to be in Florida. That's what I signed up for. <laughs> I've been complaining the past few weeks, but, but now everything is back in alignment, so I'm back in my groove. I'm excited, and I'm ready to rock. And you should be ready to rock today because the guest I have on the show today, man, he's just an amazing, amazing individual. Um, I met him in Atlanta, well, you know, while I was speaking at a school, like I, you know, and you know, that's something I want you to take away from this, man. Uh, you're going to be like, Jay, you you have a lot of guests that you met on, that you met in Atlanta. Um That's the power of networking. You got to get out there in these streets, man, and, you know, pound the pavement and you'll meet so many people that are striving to accomplish similar things and that are doing similar things which you aspire to do. And uh, Jeremiah is no different. Jeremiah Woods, he's a speaker. He also sells bow ties. Um, he has a bow tie line. And he, he's also an author. He has a book uh, called Bow Tie. And, man, he's just a phenomenal young brother. Like, he's young. Like, he's he's younger than me. Like, most of the time, I'm always the youngest um but he's even younger than me, man. This brother is on another level, and he really, really brought it to this show. Um, I'm not even going to, like, it's, it's one of them shows where I just really shut up and just let him go in, and that's what he did. And he talks about everything from, you know, how he started selling bow ties and the meaning behind bow tie. And bow tie is an acronym, and he's going to explain that on the show, and it's, it's, it's very powerful, um, to how he got on Family Feud with Steve Harvey. And it's a it's an amazing story. It's deep, and he gives you some of the principles and life lessons that's, that he's learned along the way. So I can't wait for you to hear this um, and enjoy it because you will be informed and you will be inspired after hearing this show. And also, let me say, I'm not even going to, you know, I'm not going to run an ad or, or um, commercial break or anything in the middle of the show. I'm just going to let it rock. But I did want to tell you that my video, the short film that I had worked on, with Randy Akins is available now on YouTube. I will put the link in the show notes. Please, please go support that. Go check it out, man. It's a powerful message about resistance. Um, something that I think we all, you know, need to adhere to uh, about resistance. And if you're going to be successful, you cannot avoid resistance. You have to embrace it. You have to seek it out. And, you know, in doing so, it will build you up and it builds you up strong to conquer your goals and to reach that level of success that you wish to obtain. So uh, resistance on YouTube, I will put the link in the show notes. Check that out. I'm still doing podcast consulting, so if you need anything um, like that, if you want to start your podcast journey, hit me, destroyingdoubt at gmail.com. We'll get that started for you. So here it is. I'm not going to hold you up anymore. Uh, Jeremiah Woods, man, young brother out of Atlanta, man. Check it out. Peace. All right, so let me go ahead and get this out the way. Let me tell y'all, 
My guest that I have on the show today, we were supposed to have been done. That's right. Had been done. If that's not proper English, I don't care. Because we had supposed to have been done it a long, long, long time ago. But let me tell you something. When you got a person like like Jeremiah, you wanna you wanna do a show with this with this guy in person. Because he has that type of energy that rubs off on everybody, man. So that's why I waited so long to do this show with him because I wanted to do it in person, but scheduling was was conflicting and it just wasn't working out, man. But nonetheless, he's on the show today, man. Jeremiah, how you doing today, brother? Oh man, I'm blessed and I'm blessed. Every day is the best day of my life, so it it don't really change. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Look, let me tell you, I first met him. Um, I, it it was in Atlanta, of course. Uh, I know y'all, Jay. You always in Atlanta. Hey man, Atlanta, where it's at? I can't, I, I can't lie. Um, hey. Black Wall Street tour. Um, and we were speaking on a panel, and you always have a person that stands out, and I think you were the only one dressed up, right? Hey man. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I'm always the only one dressed up, but that's that's always. that's 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 something that I want y'all to take away. And we're gonna get into it. Um, but you know, finding your niche, finding your your area where you do stick out, but it's you, and that's what Jeremiah has done perfected. Like he has perfected that. And um, like I said, I met him on the tour in Atlanta, and his energy was just crazy, man. I said I got to get him on the show, and here we are today. So thanks for joining me on the show today, man. Oh, man, the pleasure is all mine. I've been uh, anxious to get, get cracking with you for a minute now, so I'm, uh, I'm really excited to go ahead and get into this thing. We're going to go. We're gonna go uh, I got to give you, you know, I normally give everybody at least 200, but I got to give you about 1,000 a day. Hey. I got plus some. We've been to get this for a long time so we're gonna, we're gonna we're gonna work tonight that's what it is that's what it is i appreciate that man so let's get right into it man um one thing that i love about jeremiah man is you know he goes by the moniker bowtie and if you ever hear him speak if you ever hear him talk you might have a one-on-one conversation with him and he might drop 30 acronyms on you like on your head <laughs> and you like how did he just do that so <laughs> Man, explain to us about your brand, man, uh, Bowtie, what it is, what it stands for, and, you know, how did you come up with that? Uh, so so I'll start by saying um, when I was in college, I was pledged to my fraternity, which is Kappa Sigma, and uh, I've always dressed up. So let me preface it this way. I've always dressed up. Uh, my father was a pastor. And my grandfather was a pastor. Like A lot of people in my family were in the ministry, so, you know, I always was at church, and then I played instruments and things like that. So I was always at church, so I always had to be dressed up, and then... In school, I was president and vice president of a lot of different clubs that required you to dress, you know, business casual, business professional. So I was always dressed up, and it just became a thing. And then it, it was kind of my swag. Like, I didn't look right in a T-shirt and jeans. Like, the days I didn't dress up at school, people was like, yo, what you, you got going on, dude? You, you ain't got the sauce like that. <laughs> so it, 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 it became a thing where I was always dressed up anyway, and it was where I felt most comfortable with myself. Um, and so as I got when I got to college and I was pledging to my fraternity, we had like a dinner kind of thing, cookout kind of situation. Um, and everybody was like, you know, what do you want to do with your life? What do you, what's, what's your next steps? And at the time, I knew I always wanted to start a business. I, I knew I always wanted to run a business, but I didn't know what kind of business. And so everybody was kind of joking around, and they were like, you know, well, you always wearing bow ties. People like your bow ties. They like your style. Why don't you sell bow ties? Uh, and everybody was laughing and joking. I was laughing and joking until I went to my room, and I was kind of sitting there, and I was like, huh. Mm. And, like, 
people was calling me Bowtie already. So it wasn't like I named myself Bowtie because of what I do or whatever. People had, was already calling me that. Like, nobody ever really called me Jeremiah. Like, nobody really remembered my name as Jeremiah. People were like, yo, Bowtie. Or they'd be like, oh, uh, you know that one dude that always wore the bow ties? Yeah, you need to link up with him. Mm-hmm. And nobody ever really called me Jeremiah. And so um, that's that's where it started. And the, the title come Brothers Tie for Life, which is named my bow tie company. The title came um, from the fact of in my fraternity, you know, it's a brotherhood, obviously. And so they're my brothers for life. Um, and for me, it kind of went deeper than that. It's like everybody that I sell a tie to and people that are touched by my life, I feel that we're tied together for life in a sense through our fashion. So uh, the tagline is creating the custom stitch that ties us all together, right? So the custom ties that I make in one way or another ties us all together. I can remember every just about every tie I've made, I can remember who it was for, um, what the event was for, and things like that. So it's, it's for me, it gets very personal. But that's, that's how I started. That's how it started with me getting called both tie. Man, that's dope. That I mean, like, there was so much to that. Like, you broke it down kind of like Damon John with FUBU type joint. Like, I, I, <laughs> that was deep. I, I love that. But I did want to go back to one thing you said, and you mentioned that you were a preacher's kid. Um, right, right. That stood out to me because I'm a preacher's kid as well. And I want to ask you a question because I was bad. You know how uh, preacher's <laughs> kids got the label of being bad? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's what that's what they say. That's what they say. Hey, it was true for me. I was bad, and I was ignorant to about 23. I didn't change until I had my uh, kid. When I had my son at, at 23, I was like, okay, it's time to stop being ignorant. Uh, right. So my question to you, were, did you go through the same thing, or were you pretty on the straight and narrow? Like, um, I guess it's all based on perspective. For me, I won't. I, I so I say like this. I wasn't as wild and out as a lot of people typically are. Mm-hmm. Um, I did get in a lot of trouble in school though. Like every day, I got wrote up. Um, but my write ups were not for like your typical stuff. My write ups were for talking, um, and and typically, so I typically got wrote up in a three part format. So I would get wrote, written up for talking, and then it would be followed up with a, a write up for disrespect or insubordination. Um, and it, and because of how I am, you know, I'm very well read, well spoken. So uh, I typically tried to debate my way out of a write up. I felt that, you know, it's it, for one, it's my First Amendment right to have freedom of speech and freedom of expression. So mm-hmm. I didn't feel like I should be limited to when I could express and speak how I felt. And so that that was kind of the biggest bulk of my trouble. I didn't I didn't get into too too much trouble outside of that, but I was always into something. It, it was. I was I always had my hand in something. I was around, I was around. So you know they say you guilty by association. Yeah, I was, yeah. I was around a lot of shenanigans that I probably could have uh, stayed away from a little bit. But for the most part, I was pretty cool, man. I I wouldn't do it too much, man. I was just trying to talk to the girls. That's what <laughs> <laughs> my concern. I didn't go lie. I was mostly trying to talk to girls. I wasn't really too much, too much wild, too too wild anyway. So. Hey man, you were just you know you were just working on your public your your public speaking skills in school. That's all you were doing. That that's, that's how I see it. Yeah. Uh, the biggest I remember I, the biggest thing I ever got in trouble for, well, one of the biggest things I pulled the fire alarm, but that's a whole another conversation. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, was so when I got in high school, I started selling snacks. This is before I started working at Chick Fil A. So like if people read my story, they'll people talk about how I worked at Chick Fil A and all that. Before I started doing that though. I was selling snacks in school, and apparently I was moving at a rapid enough rate. Me and this one other guy, and I can't remember his name right off the top of my head. It slips my mind right now, but we're still friends on Facebook and stuff like that to this day. Me and him was, like, going in selling snacks. We were selling so many snacks that the vending machine sales started to climb. 
and uh, they actually made it a rule. If you go to South Carolina High School right now, it's a rule that you cannot sell uh, snacks or food or any kind of drinks like that. Uh, on school property. Now, I don't know if that's directly because of me and this fellow, but I do know it was instated during the time that I was there selling snacks. So, hey man, uh, just own it. Kind of just own uh, it. <laughs> you know, I, I can't. I can't be. Out, too many people know me. I can't be out here taking that on. Oh, okay. I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> so I'm, I'm still friends with the principal. I can't have him knowing that it was you know that I had his bigger hand in that than I did. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. Um, you just, man, you just threw me all off. I had so much stuff I wanted to ask you just off the top of my head, man. But you mentioned something that I personally think is powerful. And I think that the listeners may pick up on this. Um, you mentioned that you work at Chick-fil-A. Right. Okay. So the listeners, they don't know you. Um, of course, I know of you, and from the vibe that I picked up from you is you seem very, very heavy into customer service. You seem like yeah. you put the customer on a pedestal and you value um, giving your customer the, the proper just do, the, the proper service, the right. proper respect. And so my question to you is, did you learn any of that Chick-fil-A at Chick-fil-A? Because Chick-fil-A is like the best restaurant in the world. We all know that they trick, well, not restaurant. Uh, well, maybe it is. I don't know. Well, not yeah, technical. They're, they're considered a fast food restaurant. Yeah, though. fast food restaurant. Um, dine in, so. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And we all know they treat you like a king or queen. So uh, how long did you work there? And did you pick up any of the skills that you have today from Chick-fil-A? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've always been a people person. Uh, you know, it, it's. That it goes back to that whole golden rule thing. So that was one of the first things I learned in kindergarten was, you know, treat people how you want to be treated kind of situation. Mm -hmm. um, but when I started working at Chick-fil-A, that kind of went to a whole nother level. So I worked there for four years. So I worked there from beginning of high school all the way up until graduation. Mm. Um, and so I learned a lot about customer service and, and, you know, how to create a raving fan. So they used to call, I don't know if they still call it this, but a raving fan is someone that lives, sleeps, eats, breathes Chick-fil-A, right? And, and it was, it was not an accident, um, and I, I don't know if I'm telling too much of their business, but it's not an accident that they treat customers the way they do. Like, it's, it's very methodical in the way that, like, when you're trained, you spend more time on customer service than you really do on the menu, in all honesty. Um, mm. Which, granted, they pretty much only sell chicken, so it's not like it's a hard menu to get. But still, you spend more time. So let's say out of a two-week training process, at least a week and a half of that is going to be focused on customer service. Uh, focusing on understanding the brand and understanding, you know, the customer, understanding the the, the environment that you're working in and, and kind of having the right mindset and attitude um, for the people that you deal with. So, yeah, Chick-fil-A definitely was a, a, a big part in all of that for me. Yeah, that, that's dope, man. That's dope. What Were there, uh, before you transitioned into, um, and you're full-time entrepreneur now, right? Uh, yeah, so I do um, some little part-time stuff and contractual stuff just to keep consistency and different things like that because I'm getting ready to get married yeah. at uh, Body's house. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We definitely understand, man. We, we understand. <laughs> we understand. You got to do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to do what you got to do out here. Um, 24-7 on the grind, though, with these bow ties. Though, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I mean, before you, I guess, uh, jumped into entrepreneurship, what were some other jobs that you worked at um, and how did they influence you and how did they help you uh, translate into entrepreneurship? Oh, and I worked everywhere. Um, Join the club. Right. And to be about to turn 23, I had, a, I've had a, I realized I got a really long resume. So, mm. um, but I worked at um, T-Mobile 
uh, for about two and a half years. I worked at the Atlanta Business Chronicle for a while. Um, I worked downtown at the event hall for a while. Um, so I have a lot of sales and custom service. Like if you look at my resume, it's pretty much sales and custom service. That's all I've done. Um, I've worked in uh, what else? I worked Chick Fil A, Atlanta Business Chronicle, T-Mobile. Um, worked at the event hall. Uh, I used to uh, work at the campus. I think it's called Phonathon. It's basically like where you call the alumni and stuff like that and get them to make donations and stuff like that to the to the school and stuff like that. So a lot of jobs were customer service and sales focused. Uh, so it taught me a lot about how to uh, maneuver with people, how, how to how to treat people, how to talk to people. And it has kind of, it really kind of developed my speaking skills as well um, and how to relate to people and convey a message, right? So it's, I think T-Mobile was probably the biggest proprietor of that because you've never really learned how many ways you can say the same thing until you had to explain to someone um, how to use a cell phone that <laughs> has had a landline or, uh, you know, has wrote letters their whole life. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it teaches you how to really uh, craft your message uh, when you're talking to someone who has no knowledge, right? So you're talking about someone, say, for instance, like, um, like let's say, like somebody's grandfather, mm -hmm. right? They grew up, you know, the biggest advancement in the phone for them was uh, a phone on the wall, literally hanging on the wall, and they had the little rotary dial, and that's what they were still using. And then they come in and say, uh, you know, my kids say I need to get a cell phone. So mm -hmm. it's, it teaches you how to really, working there taught me how to really break something down to a very small level and then build upon it. So, And that's oh. what I do with acronyms when I speak. That's really kind of how, that's where all that developed. Okay. Okay. Oh, uh, yeah. We're gonna get into them acronyms. We we're gonna get into it. Uh, but but for right now, I want to like worst job, best job. Mm, worst job, best job. Worst job, best job. It was a. I don't even remember the name of the place. Like it was this little job I started, and I was supposed to do like contractual work for them because I've always wanted to be self-employed. So I look for like little odd jobs where it's like I sign the ten ninety nine, I do my thing, you pay me. We go our separate ways. Mm -hmm. And, like, I went through all this paperwork, and then, like, the hiring manager got fired. And so for three months, they just had me sitting in limbo. They were like, well, you can't really start, but you're not fired either. So I don't even remember the name of the company, but I was like, yo, you guys are terrible. <laughs> you guys are terrible. Three months? Uh, three months. It was like, it was cool because I was still speaking and doing my bow ties or whatever, but I was like, yo, three months, though? Like, Mm, it don't take that long. It, 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 I don't know. They they had a lot going on. I don't need, I don't even know if they're still in business. Uh, wow. Oh, I work for the uh, Marietta Journal as well, delivering newspapers. I was a newspaper carrier. Oh wow. Uh, that one. Uh, let that one stay where it was at. <laughs> <laughs> so you are gonna put that one on the worst side? Yeah, it can it can slide on over there. You okay. Can slide huh? on over there. It can slide over there. Uh, best job. Uh, you know, honestly, so it's a tie between Chick-fil-A and T-Mobile. And mm. Chick-fil-A, because it taught me so much about customer service. Uh, but, and I'm still friends with a lot of people that I work with uh, at Chick-fil-A to this day. As a matter of fact, um, working at Chick-fil-A was where I met my fiance. So, wow. Uh, yeah, she worked for Chick-fil-A uh, for a minute as well. So that's that's actually where we met. Uh, so Chick-fil-A automatically got slide up to the top. They, they, they helped me find the love of my life. So we got slide up there for that. Yeah. T-Mobile. Uh, T-Mobile is where I really got my first sales chops. Like I, I'd always been selling uh, different things, but that's the first place that I, I actually worked as a sales person 
um, and I learned how to sell, how to convert, and I learned ABC always be closing and, and all that kind of different stuff, and um, and it paid well. It, it paid very well. So, wow. I mean, I know you had to work. I know you had to develop some some special skills selling those trash. Well, the phones probably because all the phones are the same. I can't I can't call the phones trash, but selling that trash service to people. I know you had to like oh. go double oh. hard. Oh, is that how we? Okay, so that's how we do it. Too. Okay, all right, well, that's fine. Um, yeah, man. So when I first started with T, when I first so here's the crazy thing with T-Mobile, right? Just to tell this story, like my whole life is like a little story reel. Um, so I was 18 and I had decided that I was gonna leave college, right? I was like, yo, this ain't for me. And it wasn't because I couldn't do the coursework, like I, none of that. That wasn't the issue. Mm-hmm. I just felt, from a philosophical standpoint, that it was a waste of my time. And it, and you know, I was because I was going for business administration, but I had already had a lot of experience. I had I had I had already started my own business. Um, I was working for the Atlanta Business Chronicle, um, and then my dad worked in sales for 20 plus years at Sears. So when I was three, four, five years old, I was sitting in board meetings, listening to him talk about shares and dividends, and you know company projected margins and growth and things like that so i knew a lot of stuff already before when i got there and i just so i just didn't feel like it was worth me paying almost forty thousand a semester uh, <laughs> for that so i was like i'm gonna leave i'm out mm-hmm. um and so i applied for t-mobile and um i went through the interview process and it was between me and this other guy he and he had been a sales manager for like i think Abercrombie and fitch for like four or five years and so the managers was like well it's between you and him you're 18 no sales no no actual documented sales experience. Like I, like I said, I was selling snacks and all kind of little stuff like that to, to, to make money, but uh, nothing that I could put on a resume, so mm-hmm. to speak. Um, and so, but one of the managers, actually his name is Deontay. He, um, I'm still good friends with him today. I think he's actually gonna be at my wedding. Uh, he took a chance on me. He was like, you know, I'm a, you know, I, I see myself in you, so we go see what happens. Um, so he hired me at 18, and I went on to be like the number one salesman in the store, uh, number one in the district, and I'm like number three in the nation, mm. right? Um, and so, yeah, was it tough when I first came in? T- like T-Mobile as it is now wasn't what it was two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago, T-Mobile was looked at like you might as well had cricket, <laughs> <laughs> right? Right. That's how T-Mobile was looked at, um, but because of great leadership and growth and things like that, it progressed. But at the time, man, it was, whew, yeah. Them, yeah, you, you you had to learn how to really uh, relate to people and what, and figure out really what their need was and how you could provide that. Um, and so, so T-Mobile taught me a lot about that, a whole lot about that, just just based on the environment that I walked into uh, as a sales rep. So, so so basically, what he's saying, people, if if you didn't catch it, is he put T-Mobile on the map, pretty much, is what he said. I, I don't know if y'all caught that. <laughs> I mean. You know, I'm, no, John might have something different to say about that, the CEO. But uh, yeah. I was popping in them streets for a little minute. That's all I'm gonna say. That's all I'm gonna say. So he allegedly, allegedly put vending machines out of business at his school, almost. Allegedly, allegedly. allegedly. That's what they say. And he allegedly, possibly, could have, perhaps, all those you know, <laughs> uh, you would throw out there, whatever, put. T-Mobile on the map. This this is a bad man, man. It's a bad man. Yeah, man. All allegedly, though. All allegedly. We, we you know, we, we, you know, all allegedly. That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Where it may be. That's what I heard from somebody. I ain't <laughs> mad at you, man. I ain't mad at you. But look, check it out. So this show is about entrepreneurship, man. It's about, you know, inspiring and informing the new and aspiring entrepreneur. 
And so with that, I would like to know, like, you know, we talked about the different jobs that you had and, you know, all the, the skills and experience, experiences that you gained while working there and how it translated. But did you have that moment where a lot of entrepreneurs have where it's like, I don't know whether your boss ain't treating you right or the schedule, you can't see your family or you just realize that uh, this don't add up. It don't make sense to work 40 hours to build somebody else's dream. Like, what was it for you? Or did you always have that in you? Or was it like an aha moment? Like, what, what was it for you while you were working? Um, so it was it was kind of a, a mixture of all of those things, right? So growing up, I saw – so let me phrase it like this, right? Growing up, I saw people in my family that were hustlers. I saw people that were self-employed. And I saw people that may be considered a business owner. And I make that distinction because a lot of people are hustling, right? They they can go out here and say if the rent is a hundred, they need an extra hundred dollars, they can go make something shake and make that hundred dollars. But they they're not gonna necessarily be able to do it consistently. So, you know, they just hustling, right? They don't really have a structure to it, they hustling. Right. And then there's people that are self employed, so they sign in ten ninety nines, they doing a little odd stuff here and there. Or they might even have a business name and they just, you know, kinda do their own thing. They they're not really pushing it to build it out, to have a lot of employees, anything like that. It's just enough to sustain them and what they got going on. And then it's business owners that have something that can run without them always being involved in it 24-7, things like that. And they're looking, they they employ other people um, and help other people build and so forth like that. So I saw kind of a mixture of that. But then I also saw people in my family that were very successful um, working at other companies, you know, managers, uh, team leaders, uh, different things like that. So my goal growing up, I always wanted to be a CEO. Like that's that that never changed. I always wanted to be a CEO. Uh, what happened though is I got older, and my son and and my son and fiance and I was missing life events. I wasn't at you know family get-togethers and stuff like that because in the sales world, you know it's a holiday is it means the opposite. When it's a holiday in sales, that means you working more. You're not working less. Um, and so, and and I remember the first time I saw my first big commission check, like that, like that bad boy was, was nice. It was nice. Mm. I was looking and I was like, I looked at how much I sold and I kind of started doing some math on how much I actually made the company though. And when I saw the difference in the numbers, I was like, yo, <laughs> uh, I don't know how I feel about this. And so, uh, once I started having that feeling and then I started researching entrepreneurship and I really started really getting into it and understanding not even so much just about the money, but understanding my purpose and my vision, my passion, um, and, and how I wanted to operate and what I want to be known for and what I want to be remembered for. Uh, that's when everything kind of really started to change for me, like really quickly. So. Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, I forgot to mention, and I feel like I've been forgetting to mention it a lot. And that's what this show is actually about. I know I just told just about informing and inspiring a new and inspiring right. entrepreneur, but the purpose of in doing so is to destroy doubt so that right. that new or aspiring entrepreneur can either start their business or take their business to the next level. And so my question to you is, you know, after you've made up in your mind that you wanted to, you know, be, uh, this entrepreneur and you wanted to do these things and you had your vision, you had your purpose. What were some of those negative thoughts that came up in your head, whether it just was internally or it came from somewhere else? Um, those, those seeds of doubt that's, that, that came up within you and how did you put them out? Like, how did you overcome? It? Uh, so I'll tell you a big one was, um, adjusting to the change in income. So 
uh, I started working when I was 14 years old. So from that point, it's never really been a time that I didn't have access to be able to get some type of money. I'm not saying I was rich or, or extremely wealthy or, you know, in that top 1%, but I always had something, even if it wasn't but a dollar or $2, I always had something or I knew something was coming. Um, and so transitioning into entrepreneurship to the point where not always knowing what that end dollars amount is going to look like at the end of the month or not always knowing um, how you're going to get what you want to get and, and, and being able to kind of walk through that. So it's very laid out, right, when you work a nine to five. You work a certain amount of hours, you're going to you know, ideally see a certain type of check. Um, with entrepreneurship, because you don't get paid on an hourly structure, it's a little bit more difficult, I'll say, to be able to kind of plan and, and especially as a new entrepreneur, young entrepreneur, and if you haven't laid out the what I call the cake, and cake is a process that I, that I take people through, right? If you haven't laid out the cake of how you're going to really make your bread, <laughs> then, you know, that, it, it, everything creeps up on you then. It says, not, now it's, I don't know how the income is going to come in, but am I going to be able to do it? Do I have the mental fortitude uh, to pull it off? It, what about the competition? And, and, you know, a lot of people say, well, there is no competition, but okay. All right, so once you get done, you know, mentally hyping yourself up, let's be realistic. It, who else is in the space doing something similar to what I do? And if there's no one doing anything similar to what I do, how am I going to break it to the market? Because I think that's something that people also don't consider. Like, you come up with a new idea, you say, okay, nobody else is doing this. All right, cool, that's great. Sounds good. But now the question is, how are you going to break it to the market? Or better yet, why has no one else thought of it? Or if someone else has thought of it, what failed? in their process that didn't allow them to break into the market. Like it's a lot of things that now, once you start doing it, a lot of questions that pop up and come up and you're like, you know, Ooh, it can be overwhelming real quick, real fast. Mm -hmm. um, if you don't lay it out properly. And so that's why I tell people it, it, the cake method is about three things, right? So you got to have that feeling first. You got to have the feeling. You got to have, some people call it the drive. Some people call it passion. Some people say that dog, whatever it is, you got to have that. Right. It's just like when you wake up, you say, man, I really feel like I want, Right, you gotta have that feeling, right? Then, then you gotta go get the ingredients. And so, the ingredients is the coaching, the training, the podcast, the, the workshops, the seminars, all that. You gotta get the ingredients. You gotta understand what it takes to make the cake. Right? Mm -hmm. You got the feeling. Now you gotta go get the ingredients. And then, the last part is understanding the process and allowing the process to develop. Um, and I think the latter two steps is where a lot of people fall off. They have the feeling. And they know, okay, hey, I want to do it, but they don't get the ingredients, and then they don't go with the process, right? So if you make a cake, you can mix your eggs, you can mix your flour, your butter, your corn, uh, your syrup, or not syrup, but uh, your sugar. That's what's corn mm -hmm. syrup. That's what I'm getting. You can mix all those ingredients together, right? But if you don't take that batter and put it in the oven, in the pan, and it, you didn't rub the pan down with some butter or some nonstick, and then you let it sit in the oven and bake and rise, if you don't do all of that, you're not going to get the end product of the cake. And I think that's where a lot of people, and I know that for me, that was a big area that I messed up in is, you know, I had the feeling. I, I always had the feeling since kindergarten. That, was, that wasn't a problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I missed a few ingredients. And because I missed a few ingredients, inevitably my cake didn't rise the way it was supposed to. Mm. So then I had to go back and remake the whole cake. So, I mean, that's, that's, that's where I'm at with that. Like, people got to get their cake right before they can get their bread. It's, it's, <laughs> period. <laughs> I ain't claiming to be no baker, but I mean, I, I can make a little nice little cake or whatever. Hey, man, look. Hey, look. Jay Sutton, the Strong Out Podcast. We out. That's it. Like, there's nothing else to be said. Thank you for listening. <laughs> uh, catch me next week. Man. <laughs>
Man, you broke that down beautifully, man. Beautifully. Yeah, I mean, but really, like, so for me, that's, I think that was the other thing, too, is that I, I listened to a lot of people that did and do what I want to do. Um, and I think what I started to realize was that a lot of people spend a lot of time on the motivation. So I, only, I don't really like when people say I'm a motivation speaker. Like, it's, me it helps people categorize me, you know, <laughs> and, and it, it helps. Because if I said that I'm going to change your life, then that leads to a whole other conversation. So now, I, you know, I got to break all that down. But it helps to get an idea of what I do. But I, I would prefer to say that I help you figure out what desserts you want to make, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Because if you know that you want to make a cake, it's a lot easier to say, okay, what ingredients do I need to make the cake? And then go get those ingredients and start that process. But if you're just saying, hey, I want to be motivated, but you don't know what you want to be motivated for. Now you just got a lot of quotes that sound good and you got a lot of notes, but you still don't have anything to applicable to, to apply to your life because you're just motivated, right? You could just be a motivated individual. I've met people that are just happy about life. Mm-hmm. Ain't necessarily doing nothing. <laughs> ain't going nowhere, per se. And I mean, they ain't even trying to be shady. They just, but they just happy about life. And that's cool if that's what you want. But then if you want to take it to that next level and start developing a business, start developing a brand, or even just working on your personal brand. Because a lot of times people forget that you yourself are a brand. Like, aside from your podcast, right, Jay Sutton himself, as the individual, the human sitting in front of me, is a brand. And how you represent yourself and other to other people in the marketplace, what we call life, that's also equally as important because that also can determine how your bread is looking. So. <laughs> hey, hey, and I need that bread. <laughs> I'm trying to get that bread. Bread, like let me get two or three extra slices. Like we need that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Wow, man. Wow. I mean, so with with that beautiful analogy that you laid out for us, um, and and I mean for the listeners, that's a perfect example. Of how, like I was telling you. About and I'm gonna call him Bowtie for the rest of the show. I called him Jeremiah at the beginning, just so y'all can know who he is. Jeremiah Woods, right. but you know now that we got that out of the way. I'm gonna call him Bowtie for the rest of the show. Um, <laughs> but yeah, now that you know you laid out that beautiful analogy and you just flow with it, the acronyms come out or whatever. But with that process that you that you talked about, um, you know once you got your ingredients and like you said, you gotta right. you gotta go in that oven. You gotta get that heat right. and. I've learned this, and I know you've learned that 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 heat can be pretty hot as an entrepreneur when when you got to make that uh you got to make that income. Um, oh you, yeah. <laughs> you know, boss ain't just gonna give it to you no more. You got to go out there and get it. Um, yeah. like you said, you found out that you had certain ingredients missing, but once you got your got your ingredients together and you went through the process, and that heat got turned on you, and there were times where it was looking like you got everything in place, but it's still not adding up. What carried you through those moments? And I, I don't mean like as far as, okay, I'm going to pick up a part-time job to supplement the income or I'm going to do this to do that. I mean, what mentally carried you through those moments? Uh, mentally, so, so there's, there's three, big thing, th- three big things that carried me mentally, right? So the first thing is my, my belief in God, right? And, and you, you can believe whatever you want to believe. I, I, that, that ain't my, I'm, I'm not here to convince you one way or the other, but in the Bible, it specifically says something that I thought was so interesting, and, and I'll get the scripture and I'll send it to you, and maybe somebody can find it. I'm sure somebody can Google it, but mm-hmm. it talks about how the saints of God or those who believe in him will suffer, just as our Father in heaven suffered. So if you think about that, right, when Jesus was here on the earth, he suffered more than arguably anybody else that has ever walked this earth, right? 
and all he was trying to do was good. Like he was out here blessing people and doing miracles and all this kind of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he was persecuted the most. So for me, I think about that like this: okay, if they persecuted him, and he's supposed to be the best of the best, it's perfect to get you to be. Then little old me with some imperfections and some flaws, yeah, of course, I'm had I'm had a moment. I'm had a moment. I, I gotta take that and eat that. But that's cool, right? Because if, if he can push through, then it's no reason that, and he's my helper, right? Or better yet, I even break it down to people like this, right? If you believe that God is our father, right, and we're his children, if you look at the English monarchy, you look at any other breakdown, if your father's a king and you're your father's child, you're a prince or a princess. So if my father in heaven is the king of kings and lord of lords, then that means I'm a prince, and that means I have dominion over this land. So I may go through war times. I may go through persecution, but at the end of the day, I still have dominion over the land ground that I walk on. So when you start having that mindset that even if things are attacking you, you can't be stopped. That that portion right there alone will help you in that category. And then the support of my family, you know, my fiance, my son, my parents, my aunts and uncles, you know, just saying, yo, hang in there. You gotta you gotta do it. and and I say it like this, when it becomes bigger than you, you don't hang in there for yourself. Cause if it was up to me, I could go get a job. Like I could go get another job and make good money. Like the, you, people always need salespeople. Right? Mm-hmm. But it's not about the money. It's about the people like my boy that goes to um, May's High School, I believe. it's May. I think it's May's High School, right? That hits me up on IG and like, hey, man, those videos you do, they inspire me. They help me push through. They help me just hang on till graduation, right? Or when you talk to somebody like your uncle and your uncle says, look, man, I was going through a rough time. You didn't even know. But just your positivity and seeing how you, you keep pushing help me push, right? So when you start getting stuff like that, then it becomes much bigger than just, oh, woe is me. Somebody said something I didn't like. Oh, they denied my business loan. Oh, I didn't get the dollar amount I wanted to get. Like, the money is important. Like, I want to get my bread. Let's let's make no mistake about <laughs> it. I need my check. Run me that. Yeah. But aside from the check, that's not why I do what I do. I do what I do for the others that are affected by what I do. So the first, like, first thing I said was God, my religion, but my faith, what I follow. The second is my family, right, and, and, and those that are affected by it. But then the the third thing is the story that comes from it, right? So oftentimes I daydream and I just think like, yo, at 23, I've met some some amazing individuals. I've met celebrities. I've worked with different people. And I've just seen things that I never thought would happen at 23 become a reality. And it became a reality not because of a dollar amount not because some of the greatest experiences I've had wasn't something that my money could have did for me. Period. Like I, I most recently I was at the NAACP Awards. I didn't buy that ticket, so it wasn't even. But because of who I am and, and the circ and and the way that I move and shaking it, the vibes that some people say the vibes and the, and the spirit that I have and the, what I put into the atmosphere, it puts me in a place. I, uh, Kendall, I'm sure you know Kendall Ficklin. Mm-hmm. He just recently said something on his Instagram. He was like, you've got to get, you got to stop trying to create opportunities and just get in a space where opportunities are being created. Mm. So it's not even about going out here and making something happen. Just get where things are happening and be the best at your craft, right? So I don't have to force somebody to come buy a bow tie for me. I, I tell people all the time, like, you want to come work with me and sell bow ties? Cool. Here's the deal, though. I don't sell bow ties, period. Like, I don't force people to buy bow ties. I just hope that me teaching them how to wear a bow tie, me sharing my story with them and the designs that I have and the products and the customization and things I can do leads you to want to get it. 
if you don't, at least I got to infect your life with my story. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a forced thing. It's get in the environment, right? And then if you are right for the environment, the right things will happen. So go back to the cake, right? I, I got to paint this full picture for you. Go back to the cake. You take your ingredients, you mix them up all together, you put them in the oven. You got your oven at 325, 350, 400, whatever the case may be, right? With the right ingredients in the right heated environment for the right amount of time, when you pour that cake out, you have a full, well-risen, fluffy cake. But if you don't put the right ingredients in the right environment or you're in the right environment with the wrong ingredients. So, like, you take that same cake, but you forget to put self-rising flour. So instead of self-rising flour, you put cornmeal. So now instead of a cake, you might come out with cornbread. But you want a cake. Mm-hmm. You want cornbread. But the ingredients and the environment are equally as important. So those are, that's that's what helped me get through those areas is, one, my, my, my belief system and, and what I have my family, and then understanding that my story inevitably is the most important thing. And some people will say your why or, or your purpose or whatever. I think for me, my why is to be able to tell my story, right? So a lot of people had that story like, oh, my dad wasn't in my life or my mom didn't love me or I was on the streets my whole life or whatever it is. I, I can't say that I have that particular type of, of story. I, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like both of my parents was in my life my whole life. They they're still happily married, you know. Um, I I just didn't have a lot of the the dramatics that a lot of people have that develop their story. So my story is about how do you take that average person, right? How do you take your average Joe? How do you take somebody that pretty much grew up in your typical house home, grew up living a regular, pretty pretty I guess you would say normal or regular life, and they decide they want to take it to the next level. They want to go and do something that other people haven't done. How do you take that and then say, okay, well, what do I need, right? Because people are be more inclined. If you say, you know, my dad was never in my life and I just had to figure it out. People are, okay, they're a little bit more inclined to help sometimes. Let me not say all the time, sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But when they, when, when you come from a family, you know, that you could say, say middle class, right? And it's, it seems in theory like everything is all together. People are like, well, what do you need? A, what, do, what do you need a hand for? You, you got it, bro. You're good. You, you already ahead of me, in that sense. And so now, for me, it's like, okay, here's a story. Here's a story of somebody that you could say, typically, you know, grew up okay, right? They had a pretty basic life, but decided to take that basic life and go to the next level. So if they can do it, you can do it because you can take wherever you are and change your circumstances to be where you want to be. So that's that's where that's at for me. And man, do you know what you, well, first of all, let me just say, you said like so much right there. And I don't mean so much as in volume. I mean so much as in, in value. You said so much right there. Um, but the last thing that you said about the story and you coming from an average household, right? What I want people, if you're listening to this show, you're watching this on YouTube or wherever you're listening, I want you to get this. One thing that I've learned is. Stop trying to tailor your story to everybody else's story. Like he just said, oh yeah, he didn't grow up poor in the hood or whatever, blah, blah, blah. That wasn't his story. He had both parents in his household. And you know what I'm saying? He was okay. And he still has struggles at his level. What you'll find out is that when you tell your story, there are thousands, if not millions of other people that grew up like him. So you're trying, you're missing out on that audience that you have because you're trying to cater to somebody else's audience. 
You're trying to right. tailor to somebody else's story, but because you have to find your story and tell it, and you will attract those people that have that same unique story. And that's what he's doing. And, and I love it. And, you know, like he said, some people aren't going to listen to him. Some people aren't going to like him because he didn't grow up in the hood. Because he didn't have a single parent, uh, a, a single parent household. And because he dresses the way he dresses, some people aren't just going to, they're just not going to listen to him. But he's not doing it for them. <laughs> that's what, that's, right. It's not, it's, I'm not doing it for you in the first place. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget, like, I, I remember I was talking to a guy. He was like, bro, you can't tell me nothing, bro. Like, you wear suits every day. And I was like, dude, like, I got the suit I have on that you that you think I spend a lot of money. I got it from the thrift store. Like, the thing was, like, my grand, my grandfather taught me this, and God rest his soul. He, he said, just because you don't have a lot of money doesn't mean you have to look like it. Mm. And, and that was, a uh, some people would call it a bar or a life lesson. That stuck with me my whole life. Like you, you can go to a thrift store, right? And spend maybe ten bucks, maybe fifteen bucks, and get you a really nice suit. Mm-hmm. Get it dry cleaned, or wash it, or do whatever you need to do with it, right? And get you a little five dollar shirt, like the, the same hundred and fifty dollar J's you got on your feet, right? Two hundred dollar J's. You could go get you a full outfit like what I got on, right? It, it really, you could do it with less than one hundred fifty. You know, if you just on a squeeze or whatever the case, and look presentable, look your best. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with wearing J's or tennis shoes or anything like that, but what people have to realize is, like you said, no matter what level you're at, there's still struggles. You could you could be a middle-class family in theory, right? So by based on what you bring in, you should be okay and still be struggling. Just because you don't live on Section 8 or the hood or whatever the case may be or whatever the story is or whatever kind of you know situation you have, mm-hmm. Everybody has their own sets of struggles. One uh, a mentor of mine told me something. He said, "The more money you get, doesn't mean you struggle less. You just have different struggles." Absolutely. So it, it mean, it's 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 all about changing your mindset at whatever level you at. So once you change your mindset, then now you can functionally look at functionally look at any problem and say, "Okay, assess the situation and figure out where I need to go from there." So I mean. There it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. I don't know what else to say about it, but there it is. And, and you know what? Uh, going back a little bit, you said something else earlier while you were talking, and you and you spoke about, you know, something that carried you through was a support system. And I think what happens with a lot of people, and it happened with me also, is when you're up and coming, you feel like no one supports you. Um, you feel like everybody's hating on you. Nobody wants to pay you any attention and this, that, and the third. Right. But and you think, you know, you think everybody's a hater. <laughs> but right. what I come to learn is, you know, as an entrepreneur, you got to throw feelings out the window. Like feelings got to go. Don't bring feelings to a fact fight, <laughs> what they say. And right. w- one thing that I learned is people didn't support me and people didn't believe in me because I didn't believe in myself. People can tell if you don't believe right. in your own, you know what I'm saying? You don't believe in yourself. You don't believe in your own stuff and you're trying to sell it to somebody right. and they're like, man, get out of here. And and so I learned the more that I developed and I actually believed my own story and I had courage and conviction in my own story, the support came because you get to reach those people from the, from the okay households. Like you said, like you come from, you get to reach those people. You can't reach them because they're not even going to believe you. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? You got to have that belief in yourself. So anybody out there listening. So if you feel like you don't have, the support that you may have, it could be a reflection of yourself. Not saying that it always is, but it could be a reflection. And I know for me, it was. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll even say, so I recently went through this, man. Like, I, a lot of times I think when people hear me speak, they think that, oh, this was 20 years ago. No, like, <laughs> this is recent stuff. Like, this is, and that's why I can speak to it so candidly. Like, what I, one thing that I had to understand, right, I stopped saying people don't support me, right? There's there's all types of support, right? Um, like, I have a guy, he's a, he's a pastor friend of mine. He has never bought anything that I sell. He's never booked me to come speak at his church. He's never bought my book. He's never bought a bow tie. He's never bought a lapel pin. But anytime that I happen to be at that church, he makes sure that either before the service or before, before the service starts or uh, before they close out, to mention that I'm in the building and that I have a bow tie business and I have a book. Uh, he mentions everything that I do. Now, whether or not he ever particularly spends money on it, I mean, that's whatever. But there's still an audience of people there and whoever that audience of people, whoever that those individuals are, they feel that what I have is for them, they'll come see me. So what I realize is that when you say support, right, you have to just come to the conclusion that support is relative. And and you a lot of times people say, uh, people don't support me. No, they just don't support you the way you want them to support you. That's that's how that comes down because you 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 may want financial support, but even if you hating on me, right? Let's just let's just say you out here talking reckless about me in these streets. You out here talking real reckless. I mean, the way I look at it, that's still a form of support because you're still talking about me. And if you talk about somebody bad enough, other people will go look them up just to see if it's true. Mm-hmm. Now, you just have the responsibility for it not to be true. And people say all kinds of stuff. People say, oh, oh, all he care about is money. All he care about is look. Well, okay. But if you ever actually look me up and you watch my videos or you have a conversation with me or you call my phone, you get a completely different story. But what... Some people say what the devil meant for bad, God meant for good. I don't know. I don't, you know, whatever. If that's what coach you want to use, I just say it like this: whatever people throw at you, it's all about how you can use it to your benefit, right? So if somebody says, "Oh, Jay Sutton podcast ain't about nothing, man. He don't talk about nothing good. He don't never have no good guests. Matter of fact, I don't even like dudes with bald heads and beards. Like I don't know. He think he cool sitting up there with his podcast equipment, right? I could go in, right? Just real talking, real reckless, right? Yeah. Inevitably. If I put that much energy in talking negative about you, somebody's going to take it upon themselves and go say, well, is he really that bad? Hold on. Where he stuff at? Let me go pull it up real quick. Now, when they go pull it up, it's on you to make sure you have quality content, have good stuff, you putting out quality stuff. And then at that point, now the person that has went and pulled up all this stuff about you, they have a decision to make. Now they can say, am I rocking or am I not rocking? But either way it goes, you, I just, I stop saying people don't support me. Like, inevitably, I focus on supporting myself. And when I say supporting myself, making sure that I'm doing what I need to be doing to be in the best position possible. Mm-hmm. And then anything from that is just that. Like, I, I I heard somebody say one time, and I think it's so true, if you want to lead people, just start moving. Like, that's what I really, like, that's what I've really been focused on the last year and a half is not even telling people, not even saying, yo, you need to book me because I'm a great speaker. No, I just started speaking. Like, Anywhere I'm at, you you ask me how my day is, I'm finna give you a bar real quick. Yeah. Like, forget all that. Like, I ain't finna just say, oh, it's all right. No, today is the best day of my life, and every day will be the best day of my life ever because I choose to make it so. Now you have, now I just gave you something like you ain't prepared for that, so now you gotta ask a question. Now you wonder like, oh, what makes your day so great? <laughs> like you know what I'm like that's how people gonna do because they are gonna try to play you like you can't have a good day. So now, well, what makes your day so great? Now I have an opportunity found on it, and that's my been my mindset lately, man. Just I ain't worried about, uh, okay, you support me, you do, you don't, you don't. It ain't, people are watching you that you don't even know are watching you. 
Like I had a guy call me the other day, said I've been watching your videos and I've been watching your what you've been doing since you started. My man ain't never liked nothing, ain't never shared nothing, ain't never commented. I didn't even know we was friends on social media. You know, what I mean? like I I had to go look myself. I was like, let me type his name here real quick, see if we connected. Apparently, we all been connected since two thousand three. Didn't know, but inevitably. You, so, you 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 know, I just, I, I'm really leery and I tell people not to make that statement because you never know what people are doing on the back end that they just haven't told you about or what they're not doing. It's, you just never know. So, I just, I focus on building, man. And, and so, when you talk about that support system, you have to get around those people that you know are in your corner, right? That that no matter what you got going on. So, like my friend Jamari, right? We've been friends since I was maybe eight or nine years old. Like, we've been friends at least a good 12 years right never bought any products never you know what i'm saying like Mm -hmm. but we just i just know if something come up and i need somebody to holler at my guy's there i might have to call him three four times because he don't answer the phone for nothing (laughs) he's always you know what i'm saying like he just always been like that but you know or or i know you know x y and z person got me no matter what i do so if i decide i don't want to sell ties tomorrow they're like all right cool well what you doing now you know and that's you just have to get around those people. And when you spend your time focusing on, on those people, like if you get five people that fall into that category and you spend your time spending, you spend your time focusing more on those five people than you do on the millions that aren't doing whatever it is you want them to do, what you'll realize is people will inevitably start gravitating towards you to figure out why are you not concerned about why I'm not rocking with you? Like what is going on so grand for you that you're not concerned? And then what's going to end up happening is they gonna be so preconcerned with figuring out why you act and do and move the way you do that they gonna end up just following you anyway, purely out of the fact that they just want to understand why you operate the way you do. Mm-hmm. So it, it I, that's what I think about it. I think it's all about how you look at the situation. It's it's not so much about what people are and aren't doing. It's more so about how you look at what's being done, or more so if you even looking at it in the first place. So. Yeah, and 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 real quick before I forget, I wanted to say two things. And it probably just slipped my mind. Don't lose it, Jay. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. <laughs> um, well, oh, yeah, yeah. One thing about you, you were talking about how the guy that was following you from day one, but he never liked a comment, and y'all didn't, and you didn't even know that y'all were friends. I was. I just wanted to bring that back up to let people know that don't let likes and comments and shares throw you off of your journey, off of your, off of your mission, off of your purpose, because. I can say, like David Shans, for example, it was, I was watching his videos for years before I met him, and I had never once hit like on a video, uh, commented, didn't share nothing. Like, I didn't have any engagement whatsoever, but he, that man had a huge impact on my life. And, you know what I'm saying, didn't know that until years when I met him, and I, you know, I told him or whatever, and we, and, you know, we went from there, but he didn't know that for years. So I just want to let people know, I want to harp on that real quick. Don't get caught up in all that. That's one. Right. And two, I think you said that uh, if you want to be a leader, just start moving. Or, or you may have worded it. How did you, how did you say it? Uh, man, I don't know. When I get in the zone, I just be in the zone. But uh, yeah, a- I mean, Essentially, yeah, that was it, right? Like be a leader, just start moving. Like my, So when I was in ninth grade, I'll never forget this. Shout out to Mike Howard. Mm-hmm. Um, he was one of, the first, the, one of the first motivational speakers that I actually ever met in person. I was a part of a, a, a young men's group in my high school. Um, called the Flying Aces, um, and shout out to Dr. Hosey for starting that. Um, but the Flying Aces, right? So I met Mike Howard, and he said 
you don't have to be great to get started, but you do have to start get started to be great. Now, I don't know if he's like the, the founder and author of that quote, but that was the first person I ever heard say it and saw it implemented, right? So I'll say it again because I know I studied a little bit. You don't have to be started. You don't have to be great to get started, but you do have to get started to be great. There it so is. Like, if you want people to rock with you, just go do whatever it is you're going to do. Like, I stopped trying to get hype people up about what I'm going to do. Like, I'm working on projects right now. I ain't told nobody about it. I'm just going to drop them. And when they <laughs> drop, that's just what it is. They just drop. Like, I, I ain't told. I ain't even told. And David is, like, my guy. That's my dude. Like, I, I follow everything David do. I ain't even told David. Like, I'm just working quietly on it. And when I drop it, there it is. There it is. You rocking, you can rock with it. If you're not rocking, I mean, do what you do. But that's that's what it is. Because if you get started, you can work your way to the path of greatness. If you never start because you're waiting for the path to reveal itself, you'll never see it. There it is. And, and I just wanted to say real quick that I heard CJ say one time, uh, like he's, we, he was talking about leadership. And, you know, he mentioned that if you see somebody on the side of the road and their cars broke down and they're stranded and, you know, they're sitting there with their thumb out nine times out of ten, probably ten times out of ten, you're going to drive by. You gonna, right. you might speed up. You might mash the gas on. But right. if you see a guy, you know, on the side of the road or whatever, or, you know, his car is going slow, but you look and you get close to it and you see he's pushing his car. You have a higher chance of, of getting out to help him push that car if you see right. him pushing it. Right. You know, if you're crazy like me and people in Florida are crazy, so I'm probably going to keep going regardless. But, because <laughs> I don't want y'all no smoke with none of these. Huh? Right. Yeah, y'all wild in Florida. It's yeah, wild. yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. It's crazy right here. So, <laughs> I'm probably going to keep going, but I understand what he's saying. You have a higher chance of stopping to help that person and be a part of that movement because you see it already in motion. Right. Yeah, yeah. So right. I just wanted to add that um, to what you had said, man. So um, moving along just a little bit, man, I want to know, have there been any entrepreneurs that have inspired you along the way that you're like, and I know I, I tell people all the time, don't copy anybody, like be yourself. Right. But what we do is we do take bits and pieces from people in their mindset and their grind and what they do. Have, have there been any entrepreneurs that have inspired you along the way? Uh, well, first and foremost, the biggest one that inspired me uh, was my grandfather. Both of them, actually. My grandfather on my mother's side and my grandfather on my father's side. Uh, on my father's side, um, he actually lost one of his arms uh, very early on in his life. Uh, and even with one arm, he still managed to run a successful uh, towing and auto mechanic shop. Um, and if you ever come out to Austell and you ask some of the older people about John Henry Woods, they'll tell you what kind of man he was and how hard he worked in you know, how he worked to provide for his family, how he built, you know, his, his organization. And and for me, that's just, I don't know, man, I feel like I got that blood in me. Like, it, it's just in my bloodline. Like, when, when you hear stuff like that, like, even like even though I was very young when I met my grandfather, because he, he was already older, he passed away at 95, I'm 23, so you see there's quite an age gap in between mm-hmm. us two. Um, but just even talking to him, like, I remember, I'll never forget, I went to visit him in a nursing home one time, and, um, he said when he gets off of this medication they gave him, and he gets out of this bed, and he gets back moving around, me and him going to go start the record company, the, the towing company back up. And, like, I think I was, like, maybe eight or nine when he said it. And just, you know, I laughed it off whatever. Like, y'all, Grandpa just talking. 
Mm-hmm. But now as I get older, it's like, yo, that just tells me the kind of mindset and mentality he had. Like, my man was, like, in a nursing home. Like, it was, it, like, being, re- like, if you're going to look at it from a realistic standpoint, nine times out of ten, he wasn't going to come out the nursing home and go back to towing cars, right, mm-hmm. and fix cars. But in his mind, like, in his mental, you couldn't tell him that wasn't finna happen. Like, that's what his thought process was like. Like, getting it done one way or other. I'm going to show you how to do it so you can keep doing it. And so, uh, for me, that man, that's huge inspiration. And then my grandfather, he was, my grandfather on my mother's side, um, Fred Berry, he was just talented. Like, he just knew how to take things and and repurpose them. Like, he would take Coke bottles and make lampshades, make lamps out of mm-hmm. put a light bulb in it, make a lamp out of it, and then sell it to make extra money. You know, like, just stuff like that. So those two are huge inspirations to me. Uh, aside from that, man, Damon John, you know, Les Brown, you know, like, people like that. Like I've watched all their videos, study what they do. Um, David Shans, uh, <laughs> it's funny how we actually met. That's a, you know, that's a funny story. Like I, my old PR manager was like, um, you should meet David. Mm-hmm. And he was like, got this brand called Sleepers for Suckers. I think y'all be cool. And I was like, oh, all right, sure. So I, he, I was like, where's where's he at? And he was like, he's at Cumberland Mall. So I just walked up and I was like, uh, you David? He was like, yeah. I was like, all right, cool. Well, um, Jeremiah. Uh, people call me Bowtie. Uh, apparently, we should know each other, and uh, that's kind of how our, our whole that's my that was my introduction to who he was. Like I I I didn't know of him prior, um, and and it kind of developed from there. So um, obviously, Eric Thomas and you know just different people like that. I, I look at a lot of speakers. Um, Les Brown was really the first huge speaker, right? That that had an international platform. That I that I picked up on, and when I picked up on him, man, I went <laughs> I went in. I I watched every video I could find, read every piece of an article, read every interview, just, anything I could get my hands on that he had something to do with. Um, I tapped into. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's been so many. I like I don't want to start calling names. Lord knows I never get done. But um, so many. I mean, Mike Mike Howard played a big part. He was like I said, he was the first motivation speaker I, I ever met. So. Uh, and, and so many people in between that man it's, it's a lot well i i know i know of an entrepreneur that you were around uh i don't know if you got to you know rub shoulders with him and you know absorb some knowledge from him but i do know i remember you posting that you were on family feud um <laughs> i i tried to look for the show i i Yo, couldn't man. find it I was disappointed about that, but you know. Yeah, man, you gotta look up my, you know, you gotta look up my my government name. You gotta look, uh, you gotta look up the Woods family. You gotta, <laughs> yeah. I don't yeah. know. I gotta do sub. I couldn't find it, man. But I mean, tell us about that. Uh, how that happened? Like, how did you, you know, how did you and your family end up on Family Feud? And did you get to, I guess, have any conversation with Steve Harvey or anything, or was it like quick, boom, boom, bam, get out of here or whatever? But uh, yeah, tell us about that experience, man. Um, so I'll answer the, the latter part of that first. Uh, I did talk to Steve. It wasn't like a, you know, we didn't have like a long, long sit down. It was kind of just in between takes stuff like that. Um, and that's, that's actually not the first time I met him. That was the first time I met him in that environment. But, uh, yeah, man, Steve Harvey has played a, he, he played a big role in, in a lot of different things as well. I, I, I was following Steve back when he was, well, I think it was Mr. Hightower on the Steve Harvey show, like just Young age, just rocking with him. I, I, I liked how he was moving and shaking. And, and so I always said I wanted to meet him, and I had several different – he's actually the reason that I, I changed from Jay Fresh. So a lot of people don't know this, so you get, like, a little exclusive mm. in my life. But, like, back in the day, right, 
because I play instruments and stuff like that, I don't know. I thought I was going to potentially be a rapper. I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> or, or like, I don't really know what direction I was going in with it, but I was going to be a stylist and a rapper. I was going to be the first rapping stylist. I don't know. That's in my mind. That's where I was. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, but, yeah. Um, so, but what I called myself was Jay Fresh. And um, it was when his, his book came out. I think it was think like a lady, act like a man or something like that. Mm. Um, he was signing, he was doing sign, book signings at Kmart. So my dad was like, yo, we got to go. He's a huge Steve Harvey fan. My uncle's a Steve Harvey fan. So he was like, I'm going to get a couple of books here if he'll sign them. So I got to the front of the line. I was like, yeah, sign it to Jay Fresh. You know, because I stay fresh, kid. And he was like, eh, the preacher's son, Jay Fresh. <laughs> Jay Fresh. <laughs> like, he was going in. Like, my man had the whole line laughing. Like, he was clowning. Yeah. Hard, right? Mm-hmm. And, um... Yeah, I never went by Jay Fresh again after that. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 like, I, I think that everything happens for a reason that shapes who you are, right? So, like, I just imagine now, to this point where I am in my life now, Jeremiah J. Fresh would. Eh, I like Bowtie better. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, it, and it's, it's more purpose to it. So, it's, I, I mean, yeah, that's, so that's how that happened. But uh, as far as Family Feud, man, um, before I break down how I got on Family Feud, I'll explain what Bowtie is. I, I know a lot of people think I probably just said Bowtie, and that's why it is. But it's actually an acronym that stands for being bold, optimistic, wise, tangible, impactful, and effective, right? And so a lot of people always hold, ask. Hold on real quick, man. I'm sorry to cut you off, but my audience is slow. I, I tell I tell my guests this all the time. My my audience is slow, okay? Nah, can't be. Can't be. <laughs> So you gotta break it down one more time because I called it, but I know they're a little slow. I'm just messing with y'all. I know I mess with y'all every show, but please break it down again, man. What what's the acronym Bowtie? So uh, it's so B is for bold. So it's bold, optimistic, wise, tangible, impactful, and effective. Mm. Uh, and so those are my so people like so real quick. Give me something that that can help me be successful, and I say Bowtie. Look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm so serious. Like you've got to be bold enough to speak to speak to the dreams that you want, speak of the dreams that you want, and be fearless to go get them. So you got to be bold, right? You got to be optimistic, right? You got to have a, a internal sense about yourself to say, okay, things are gonna work out, right? I don't know how they're gonna work out. I don't know the logistics, but I know that inevitably, if I keep putting out positivity, if I keep putting out good vibes, and if I keep keeping a positive mindset and thinking positively and optimistically that things will be better, right? So you got bold, you got optimistic, then you've got wise, right? So if you're bold enough to go ask for some money and you're optimistic enough to believe it, you have to be wise enough to know what you're going to do with it when you get it and how you're going to spend it, right? So that that's the bold. So then you got the tie, right? So you got to be tangible. So I tell people all the time, it's cool to say that you want to do something or you want to be this or you want to be that, but people like tangible things. People like stuff they can reach out and touch. They like something that they can look at or they can get a feel for it, right? So it'd be cool if you called me, James, like, yo, uh, I got this podcast, bro. It's, man, it's dope. Man, everybody want to be on this podcast. Like, I got all the people coming to the podcast. I'm like, cool, let me see an episode. And you're like, well, well, what I mean is, like, like <laughs> it's in my head. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I drew it out, and, and but you got to see the vision. Like, I see it, kid. Like, yeah. Yeah. Nah, man, people not going, what you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, no. So you got to create something tangible, even if it's nothing but like you just designed the artwork that you're going to put on the podcast cover to put on Spotify, wherever you put it at. Right. Even if you just got the artwork or you got a piece of paper, you took your notebook and you you sketched out a couple of things you want to talk about for each podcast and how many episodes you want to do. You have to have something tangible. I don't care what it is. I, 
if you want to be a speaker, right? You can start making video. You ain't nobody got to be booking you to make free videos on Instagram and, and videos on YouTube and Facebook and whatnot. Like, if you I, like, I don't care what it is that you want to do. You you there is some kind of way that you can show a tangibility or have something tangible to show it that you are serious about what it is you're doing, mm-hmm. right? So bold, optimistic, wise, tangible. Then the I is impactful. Once you do all of these things, now you have to make an impact, right? If you're not making an impact, to me, it's pointless of doing it, right? So I don't just speak just to be speaking or just to get paid or just whatever. It's to make an impact in people's lives. And then the impact is tied directly to the E, which is effective, right? After you're bold enough to ask for the money, we're going to stick with the money analogy. After you're bold enough to ask for the money, you're optimistic enough to believe that you're going to get it. You make wise decisions once you get it and you create something tangible that makes an impact. You have to have lasting effects or you have to be effective and so effective a lot of times people think of about effective as something that just works no effective is something in my opinion that not only leaves an effect but creates other effects right so my goal is this when i meet somebody and i tell them about bow tie i expect them to go take bow tie apply it in their life change it should change their life and it will change their life if they actually apply it and then go change somebody else's life that's how i know it's effective it's not effective to me if you just call me bow tie. But if you don't go actually actually apply at least three to four out of the six keys that I gave you, then I wasn't effective. I didn't share the message properly. So it doesn't matter how bold I was with it, how optimistic I was, how tangible, how impactful. If I didn't leave an effect on you to where you go share it with other people, then I wasn't effective. I don't even know why I'm still recording. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Like, there ain't nothing else to say, man. Like, you just broke everything down, man, the whole package. Like, yeah, so, um, but the, the reason I say all that is because that leads up to how we got on Family Feud. So, I I forgot about that. Like, I forgot. Yeah, I know. That was, that was the original. <laughs> so, let me lead into it. So, bow tie, right? I've been, I've been living this bow tie lifestyle, bow tie lifestyle, hashtag bow tie lifestyle, whatever. Been living it, right? Um, and I had always told my mom, me and my mom have watched Family Feud together since I was big enough to say the words family and say feud, right? And um, she always said she wanted to go on there. I, she was like, if I go on there, I can get the number one answer. I know I can. I know I can. And we used to, like, watch the game, and we'd be screaming out the answers at the television together or whatever. And so I told her, I was like, one of these days, I'm going to make sure you get on Family Feud. Like, I'm going to make it happen some kind of way. Well, Fast forward, I get with my, I meet my fiance, we, we're together, whatever. And I told her, like, you know, I always wanted to go on Family Feud. I always want to take my mom on Family Feud. And she actually took it upon herself. I believe it was for my birthday, actually. Uh, it may have been, I think it was for my birthday. It was, it was a gift. I know that much. Um, and she got us tickets to see the live taping. Um, and she, she only was able to get two, so she got it for me and her. And so we went or whatever. And we were at the live taping. I was like, yo. I was telling everybody all up until the time of going to the live table, I was like, I'm gonna meet Steve Harvey. I'm gonna meet Steve Harvey. I just kept saying it. And um and, and so it got to the point where everybody in line was like, yo, they were telling everybody, like, we gotta make sure he meets Steve Harvey. Like we got like if nobody else meets Steve, we gotta make sure he meets Steve. Like mm-hmm. that's how much I was talking about. It. I was putting it out there. Um and so I wore a bright I think I had on like a bright purple suit, maybe. It, it, I think it was yeah, I think it was a bright purple suit and I had on a yellow shirt. Like this purple, brown, and yellow bow tie. Like I was loud. I was, <laughs> I was bright. Yeah, I was bright, yeah, but I wanted to stand out. And then, but I look good too. But I, I wanted to stand out. And um, so let me. I would just show you how favor works when you when you 
really believe. Remember we talked about earlier, you have to believe what it is you're telling people before anybody else will believe it. Mm-hmm. So living that bowtie lifestyle, people's like, you you think you can just speak things into existence. And I, and I tell people all the time, you can speak things into existence, but after you speak on it, you have to go work for it, right? So I tell people all the time that I live this bowtie lifestyle. Uh, so when we get there, we when we got there super early so we could be first in line because you have to still stand in line to go into the table or whatever. But we were standing on the wrong side of the building. It's crazy as that is. We were standing on the wrong side of the building. Once we found that out and we went to the right side of the building, it was already a long line, right? So we ended up going from being at the beginning of the line or at least what we thought in theory to be the beginning of the line to the very end of the line. And I was like, man, we're going to be all the way in the back of the studio. It's no, you know, like, I, I don't see how it's going to happen. But I was like, whatever. I need to meet Steve Harvey. It's cool. Whatever the case is, I'm here. I'm enjoying myself, having fun. And as we're going in, one of the assistant executives or whatever was like, we need two really well-dressed people to come sit in the front of the audience. We only have two seats, and we need somebody who's really well-dressed, has bright, vibrant colors, and has a beautiful smile and a great personality. Mm. You said what? Mm. Huh? Huh? So everybody was like, yo, y'all got to send that bow tie guy. Yo, he got on like this purple suit and he he been smiling and laughing the whole time. He got to meet Steve. We need to send him. And then my fiance, she had on a real nice, uh, I think she had on a skirt and blouse or, or maybe a, uh, a dress, whatever case. She looked really nice. She had on heels the whole nine. So they were like, yeah, send those two. So they sent us. So at this point, I'm on cloud nine. You can't tell me nothing. I'm sitting at the front of the taping. I'm right here. I can see everybody. Everybody can see me. Life is great. So naturally, as being who I am, I'm bold, right? Let's go to the bowl real quick. I'm very, I, I talk to everybody. So I'm sitting next to this lady, and I'm talking to her. We laughing, cracking jokes. And I'm like, I don't know who this little lady is, but she, like, put on these headphones, kind of like what you got on. And I was like, you know, it's a lot of taping, right? Like, they don't, probably not what they, probably not what they want on the, on the TV screen. I, think. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. All right, ma'am, I'm going to let you do you. So we're talking, laughing, and it was like, okay, um, y'all ready to get started? And she was like, yeah. And I looked, and I was like, okay, I ain't think nothing of it, right? I'm like, all right, whatever. So I go back to talking to my fiance, and she taps me on the shoulder, and she was like, have you ever thought about coming on Family Feud? Like, is the rest of your family, she was like, is the rest of your family, like, as vibrant and lit as you are? And I was like, um, yeah, my family's some characters. They are definitely that. Um, yeah. And she was like, you ever thought about coming on Family Feud? I was like, yeah, I mean, it's a lifelong dream. I've always wanted to be on Family Feud. Um, didn't think nothing of it, right? And so uh, Steve comes out, and before they start taping, he says, you know, I want to thank our executive producers and so forth and so, so forth. And he said, stand up. And the lady sitting next to me stood up. And it was at that moment that I realized who I was just talking to. So I was actually sitting right next to the executive producer and executive casting producer for Family, uh, Family Feud. Um, and so just based on being myself, being living the Bowtie lifestyle, they, you know, after the show and after the taping uh, of the uh, being in the audience, they went through the process of getting my family on the actual show um, and competing for the money and everything. And I talked to Steve. And so all of those opportunities came from, like I said before, not so much trying to rush to make the cake, but having the feeling that I wanted the cake getting the right ingredients and then putting those ingredients in the right environment and then letting the process happen. <laughs> Is that like the third mic drop of the night? Like, hey, man, that, 
That is powerful, my friend. That is powerful. Yeah, man, it's unbelievable, really. Like, I, I, even like, I still like. I don't know if people will see the video footage from this, or they'll just get the audio. But I, I'm smiling ear to ear because it's just like people don't understand that when I was younger and I was in middle school, high school, I always dressed like this. I was always wearing suits and ties to school and so forth, so forth. People used to try to clown me for it, right? And I was, I mean, people knew me. I was used to say I was popular or whatever, but people, like, tried to clown me. They was like, ah, oh, here come little preacher boy. My nickname was Deacon. Like, people called me Deacon all day long. Mm-hmm. Like, before I was bow tie, people was literally called me Deacon because apparently I looked like a deacon in the church, right? Like, so just to go from that and to now being able to use, just sticking and being consistent with who I was. I didn't change who I was, even though people thought I was weird or they thought it was funny or whatever the case. I didn't change who I was. I just stayed true to myself and then staying true to myself allowed me to be in places that other people have always wanted to be in just by being true to myself and being true to what I believe in my truth and, and having that belief and faith that bow ties God given and, and knowing that if you be bold, optimistic, wise, tangible, affecting, affecting, things will change for your favor in your life. But you just got to do it. Got to do it. So yeah, man, it's crazy. <laughs> wow, man, that is beautiful. And I guess with my final transition, um, my question to lead us into the final transition to give you a chance to talk about it. Um, was your book out at this time or did your book come out before then or after then? Um, and if it was out at the time, did you happen to get it in the hands of Mr. Harvey? Because that would have been a really good look. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, right. It definitely would have been a good look. Um, no, that's the thing. My book wasn't even out at the time. I was really at a place where I was truly finding myself, right? So I was doing the bow ties. People were calling me bow tie, but I really wanted to get into speaking. Like I've always felt like the bow tie was my foot in the door, if you will, right? So because I didn't have that rough and tumble story and all that kind of stuff, it was a lot harder for me to figure out what I wanted to convey to the audience. Like I, people, when I got ready to speak, people get up before me and. And, you know, I was shot 13 times, but I lived. I'm like, oof. <laughs> what I, like, what do I get up and say after that? Like, all right, hey, whoa, hey, man, good Lord, 13? Like, you made that many people mad? Like, ugh. But, yeah. like, so I didn't know what to say after that. But all I ever kept going back to and speaking on was how you should dress, how you should carry yourself, and me being both sides, how that whole thing came about. And it, it one day it that's how the acronym came about. I was always trying to figure out a way to consolidate my speeches because I'm naturally long-winded. I like to talk. So I, I wanted to be able to stay on focus, convey a message to people, teach something, and have it to be something fun because I speak at a lot of schools. I love to speak at elementary, middle schools, high school, stuff like that. And so that's how Bowtie was birthed, and I was just doing that. I hadn't even thought about the book wasn't even in the process of being penned at that point. That came a little later um, because I just saw like I felt that it was now time to tell my story on a deeper level, other than just in a thirty-minute window of you know telling the story, but really writing it and breaking it down. What it means to be bold. What's the three components of being bold, and so forth and so forth and so forth. So the book came after that, man. It that, that came after after I had proof of concept, if you will. <laughs> hey, look, well. So I'm assuming that they taped the show in Atlanta. Yes. 
I'm going to need for you to apply those bow tie principles again. And I'm going to need you to swing by there with the bright suit on. I'm going to need for you to be bold, <laughs> optimistic, wise, and have something tangible. And that tangible thing that you're going to have is your book. And right. that book is impactful. I ain't even read it yet, but I'm going to get it because you. I'm going to get your book. And you need to be effective and get that in the hands of Mr. Harvey and see if he can't get you on the show or the radio or something because that right, is, right. yeah, yeah. Hey man, I, listen. That's and that's one of my goals, man. I've been I've been just you know silently grinding at it and just keeping out content because I I feel that and I told um so the casting producer for his TV show has I, we have talked um and, and that was one of the things I told. I said I need to come on the show not even for advertising like that's cool I can advertise my book whatever whatever but I just need people to understand the trajectory in which this happened. It's not even like I'm out here chasing celebrities or I'm out here chasing. No, I'm just being me. I'm doing me. I'm doing what I believe I was put here to do and, and to walk in my purpose and my truth. And, that, and that's what people got to understand. Like, too many people start out trying to, like, pe- see, I've had some, like, people ask me, uh, yo, man, you think, how, how can I just call up Steve? And I'm like, call up Steve for what? Like, for one, I don't just have his personal cell phone number. For one, let's start there. Mm-hmm. But two, what are you going to call, what are you calling him up to say? Man, I just want to, I want to, I want to hang out with him and, and do what he do. Well, I mean, but what's your ingredients? <laughs> like, you got the feeling, but what's your ingredients? Or better yet, have you made your batter to make the cake? Have you put the cake in the oven? You just trying to eat the cake. Mm. You, you already trying to slice it, and you ain't made it yet. Right? You And I, when I say you ain't made it, I mean literally in the sense of you haven't even figured out why you want to be in this person's presence. And so as a kind of to just tie it all together, right? It would be cool if I came to you and said I wanted to be on your podcast, right? Mm-hmm. It'd be dope. Like, hey, I know JJ got a dope podcast. Let me holler at him, right? But what's even more impactful and thusly more effective is what if I just silently grind? Like, what if you just see me putting in the work and you come to me and say, hey, I want you on the podcast? Mm-hmm. It's much more rewarding and it's a better message, not only for the viewers, but for the people that want to come after me because now they're going to self check themselves. See, the whole thing is when you start to better yourself, you better all the people around you or they won't continue to be around you. People eventually are going to stop hitting you up and asking to come on the show if they haven't put in the work in the first place to even remotely have anything to say. I don't know. I may be out my lane telling them that, but I'm just throwing it out there. No, thank you. <laughs> I'm going to just, just throw it out there and they can do what they want with it, but uh, there it is. <laughs> thank you, because you would be surprised some of the... Uh inquiries that i get <laughs> so uh, i can imagine and, you know got to be that guy be like nah bro i don't think that this is um this yeah yeah <laughs> so thank you for shutting it down in advance so, so for now on when a buster come to me and asked to get on the show i'm gonna just play that little that little playback for him and thank you appreciate that yeah <laughs> put it on your closing credit <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Uh, this was great. This was great, man. I'm not gonna hold you up anymore, man. Oh, and for those uh that don't know, today, what time is it? Not quite. Oh, man, we got we got we got a couple more minutes. Couple more minutes, like about maybe thirty, forty more minutes. Man, he was he was kind enough to do this on the cusp of his birthday. Um, so I appreciate my man for that. Turning twenty three years young, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jordan, so. get right here, baby. <laughs> Jordan. Or LeBron. Or LeBron, you know. Or LeBron. Hey, I truly LeBron, my guy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. 
Okay, man. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you you told them about the book, man. Uh, where can they find your book? Where can they find your book? Um. So right now, this is what I need people to do because I'm I'm in the process of repinning some things and and I want to make it more personal. So, uh, just send me a direct email at brothers tied for life at gmail.com. Again, that's brothers tied for life at gmail.com. Um, and we'll get you all squared away. I wanted to kind of redo everything I had with my website. So I completely took it down um, and we're, we're making this a whole lot more personable. So I don't want you just clicking and buying, but I want to talk to you. I want to get a, I want to get a better feel for who you are as an individual. So when I put it in your hands, it can be a lot more effective. Um, so that's the route we're going for right now. So Brothers Tired for Life, that's all regular spelling, B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S-T-I-E-D-F-O-R-L-I-F-E at gmail.com. Hit me up. Is that the same for the bow ties as well? Yeah, everything, everything. If you want custom bow ties, just shoot me an email to Brothers Tired for Life, and we'll get you all situated. Um, yeah, I'm, that's, that's what I, it is. You right know... There. It's it's over and done with now, but I did want to throw out there that I am jealous at the fact that, you know what I'm saying, you can so easily tie a bow tie and teach other people how to tie a bow tie. A bow tie. I'm 30 years old, and I can't tie a regular tie. And you out here with the bow ties and making it look easy. So I ain't really feeling that. I'm a little jealous. I just want to let you know moving forward. Hey, hey, man, listen, this, this is what we got to do. Either I'm coming to Florida or you coming to Atlanta. And we're going to do it. I'm going to do it on the, uh, matter of fact, here's what, here's what it is. So, I can tie a bow tie in under 15 seconds. Stop playing. That's it. So, I can tie a bow tie in under 15 seconds. So, this is what we're going to do. In order to prove how effective I am, right? So, I'm bold enough to make the statement that I can do it under 15 seconds. I'm optimistic enough I can handle it. Wise enough to know that if I couldn't, I wouldn't have said it. Tangible enough to say that I did it before it's on video impactful enough that somebody out here finna really just tune into your show or tune into the Instagram live or the video feed or whatever when we do this to see if it's gonna happen. Here's where it's gonna be effective. I'm gonna teach you to do it and you're gonna be able to do it with un in under a minute. So I'm not gonna say the first time you do it, it's gonna be in 15 seconds. But I guarantee if I teach you how to do it, you're gonna be able to at least do it in under a minute. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, he may have just single-handedly destroyed his whole brand because I don't think he knows just how slow I am. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I don't know if that was too wise, but um, <laughs> I'm a rock with it. We're gonna make it happen. We're gonna make it happen. We might have to do a few practice runs for the camera get on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're gonna be in there. <laughs> That's what it is, man. That's what it is, man. So, man, thank you so very much for coming on the show today. You absolutely provided that information. You provided that inspiration for not only the new and aspiring entrepreneurs to help them destroy doubt, but so many people in different genres, different walks of life can take the message that you delivered today and apply it to their lives, man. And I thank you so much for that, man. Go ahead and get out of here. Enjoy your birthday. Uh, but before you do, let the people know where they can follow you at on social media, man, uh, so they can keep up with everything. Oh, most definitely. Uh, well, thank you for having me. First and foremost, I'm excited. I want to make sure I gave you that heat. Everything I got, I'm giving it to you. So, um, but you can follow me on Instagram at I make bow ties, and that's a uh, the at symbol rather, not I, but the the at symbol I make bow ties, and you can follow me on Facebook at Jeremiah Bowtie Woods. Um, yeah, so 
Facebook is Jeremiah Bowtie Woods. Instagram is I Make Bowties. There it is. There it is, y'all. Brother Bowtie, Destroying Doubt Podcast. Jason, we out. Thank you for listening.